Hey everyone, and welcome to another One Youth Devo. It's Patrick here, and I'm with my special guest today. Hi guys, it's Rebecca. I'm the admin assistant, which just means I help Patrick and Jamie send out emails and send you guys pizzas or order pizzas. (laughs) I don't bring them to your house. And it's not just means, it's a lot more than just that. (laughs) She keeps the student ministries department running very well, and I'm super thankful for her. And Rebecca, you've been on a Devo before, on March 31st, excuse me, on April 1st, you're on a Devo and we talked about Psalm 46. But today we're adventuring into a book of the Bible that I have literally never taught on, and that is Joel. Rebecca, have you ever taught on the book of Joel? No, I have read it, but you know, when you're not focusing on it, sometimes you kind of forget what you read. So I'm excited to dive into it again. So a little background on Joel before we jump in, I did some research and Rebecca, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but Joel is a collection of poems, which is kind of cool. And uh, scholars don't know when Joel was written because there's some conflicting events that happen uh, in throughout the whole book. And it's hard for people to pinpoint exactly when it was actually written. But we do know that Joel was very smart, very smart in the scriptures. In uh, the book of Joel, he is constantly quoting other uh, Old Testaments, other books of the Bible. So he was a very, very wise man, which is kind of cool, uh, quoted a lot. Uh, and he really liked to reflect on old scriptures and write about them. So uh, that's just a little bit of background. Uh, we're going to dive into Joel chapter two today. The Joel chapter two is kind of talking about the day of the Lord and uh, what's going to happen during the day of the Lord. And what we're going to read is kind of God's response to a big disaster that Joel predicts. A huge wave of locusts is going to come and invade everything, like an army marching, and they're going to destroy everything in their path. So Joel calls on his people to go and pray and return to God and realize that God is God's mercy is more powerful than God's wrath. And he quotes a line out of Exodus that says, uh, uh, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and full of love. And he like teaches his people like that's who God is. God is not going to come and destroy everything, but God's power is in mercy. And so after uh, the people pray, the Lord comes in and kind of responds to the prayer. And that's where we pick up in Joel chapter two, verse 18. Rebecca, do you want to read verse 18 through 27 for us? Yeah, this is NIV verse 18. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil enough to satisfy you fully Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. 
Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, and my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. You will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. The word of the Lord. Amen. What a great response. Uh, This is like a guiding light. You know, God is coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to like fix, I'm going to fix this. You know, and I think I, I read this and I sit and I think, wow, you know, if I was experiencing, you know, the the army of locusts coming in, this would be like really a good response. Right. And it shows the the power of prayer and also the power of God. And like um, Joel points out, you know, God's mercy is stronger than God's wrath. And that's just like really a cool thing to sit and consider. So kind of going going down, uh, one of my favorite verses in this is uh, verse 22 that says, do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing fruit, the fig tree and the vine yield their riches. You know, the the picture that comes to mind when I read that is just like so uh, beautiful uh, and kind of comforting. You know, have you ever like ran through or like walked through a big green like meadow or field or something? Yeah, I think this imagery is just amazing. I think some maybe some of the people listening know that I was in Iraq for a year doing missions and it's actually pretty dry and barren. But in the wintertime, it rains a ton. And then after that winter rainy season, it just becomes so lush and green, which most people don't think about when they think of Iraq and when they think about the Middle East. But yeah, it kind of just goes along with, you know, that God's people, they were in this time of trial, in this time of suffering, you know, kind of in that season where things aren't going great, but God is answering and bringing that lush beauty into um, their lives again, giving them this promise of kind of like that green and fruitful life. That's interesting. I didn't know that, like you said, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people. I didn't realize that there was green and lush parts in the Middle East. And I didn't even really, I thought it was kind of hot all the time. And uh, it was kind of more like a desert. Yeah. That's like such a cool that's such a cool thing. You know, I feel like those people there and you being there, you can really relate to this passage on a much deeper level because you've kind of seen that before. Yeah. I think, you know, in San Diego, everything's pretty green because we have landscaping and, (laughs) you know, sprinklers and then gardeners. And then, you know, the seasons don't change that much, but when, you know, maybe some, some people listening have lived in the East coast or lived in other parts of the States or other countries where they actually have seasons. And so you do really see that change. And I feel like God's really reminding, you know, his people that there is a change that 
is coming or that is happening right now. You know, since he says, you know, the wilderness is becoming green, trees are bearing their fruit. You know, so there's definitely a change that he's bringing about to the people of Israel. And I, it's nice to see in verse 25, God acknowledges that there was years where things weren't looking good by saying, I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Uh, that's God, God is kind of recognizing that. And I think we learn kind of from uh, in the Psalms and the psalmists that a good way to talk to God is to kind of say, Lord, we need you. I have made this mistake. You are so good. Lord, please help us. And I think Jesus is kind of responding in a way that the people are used to rejoicing to him saying like, I have sent this, but I'm going to like now give you plenty to eat until you are full. And God is also saying you, you will praise the name of the Lord, your God who has worked wonders. He's talking about himself, just like having that understanding of how powerful God is. It's like, again, going back to that statement of God's mercy is so much power, more powerful than God's wrath, because very quickly God is restoring mercy from the wrath and it's, and then making the, like going abundant with it as well. And I like also the, on verse 26, that last sentence of, you know, never again will my people be shamed. So in the past, there were times where they were in despair when they, you know, cried out to God and when other people would say, you know, who is your God or where is your God? You're suffering so much. But God's promise is that his mercy is greater than the suffering and the pain that his people have gone through. And it's a promise that will be everlasting that, you know, even though you've suffered in the past, never again will this happen again. You know, he's going to repay us for the years that uh, of suffering for the years where we were in despair or um, struggling through many different ways, you know, whatever kind of locusts or things that have happened but um, his promise is so much greater than, than anything that has ever happened. Absolutely. And I see that I read that and I see that. And I think, you know, while the, the locust swarm would be happening, it'd be hard, at least for me to say like, wow, my God sent this and to go to others and say, you know, yeah, this is like, this is my God that sent this. And I think, you know, God is kind of saying, you won't ever have to be shameful of that again. Like you've stayed holy through this whole thing, but that'll never happen again. Now, the the important thing to remember is uh, Joel chapter two is a prediction of what could happen in the future. It says Joel chapter one is like a recollection of the past. And so Rebecca, if you were kind of in this like land and uh, you read this poem and it was written about about you what emotionally what what would that feel like how would that would that pull you closer to god uh what would that would just what would that be like yeah i mean uh the words of the prophet joel i think you know god using joel to speak to his people and to really proclaim that there's a different future that's that gives so much hope and that uh you know, as God's people, it's like really counting on God's word and the things that God is speaking, even though, yeah, during that time, it might be kind of crazy or I don't know what's happening, but there is a hope and a future that comes from the promises of God and the word of God. So just thinking about, you know, 
even reading this now in modern time, it's also a hopeful message to know that God's going to give us his grace and mercy. God's going to allow us to live a different kind of life, you know, but even back then when, when there wasn't anything to hold on to except for the word of God, this is even more powerful. That's a really good word. I feel like I, I'm, I'm a culprit of this is I'll put my, my trust in other things before God. Sometimes it's like, okay, it's going to rain. I'm going to put trust in the roof of my house. Yeah. Like I'm going to put like, Oh man, you know, this, uh, pandemic is coming. I'm going to put trust in the grocery store that they're going to have what I need. And I often forget. It's like that trust, it should be a overflow of the trust that I have in the Lord to provide, you know, God will provide for all of us. And, I think it's important to remember that no matter what we go through in life, God is providing. And if it's a, a bad, if it's, you know, years of locusts, like in this story, God's going to provide you with his strength and provision. And then afterwards provide you, but with the ability to say like, yes, my Lord is good. And I like trust in him and he reigns forever. And I, that's something that I often overlook in, in this day. And so you, I think what you said is so right. These people had nothing but the will of God to hold on to. Staying trust, staying true, trusting to that is so, so important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a, a crazy uh, passage. It's just like really cool to read. And I think I counted, like I said, Joel was really uh, smart with the scriptures. He knew that... Um, other scriptures and Bible passages a lot. And in this passage alone, I think there's probably 15 or 18 different references to <laughs> their old Testament wow. texts, which is crazy. It's like so many that when I try to read it with the cross reference notes up, it's, it's hard to read. And so my, my challenge for, uh, people that are listening is, uh, you know, try to connect scripture to your own life. Try to connect, uh, passages that you read to today, because the Bible, like we've talked about before on the Devo is the living book and you can make references to all sorts of passages. You know, maybe some of you are going through a season of your life where the locusts are swarming, but you know, you have to trust in God, um, and that God will prevail through it. Rebecca, you have any closing thoughts? Just, you know, exactly like you said, this is the living word of God. And no matter how many times we read it or reread it, it's just always speaking to us, always speaking to us in our different seasons of life, always speaking to us in ways that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. So even though Joel's a minor prophet, even though I've never studied it in depth or taught on Joel, just reading it simply, you know, God will definitely speak. So. I encourage everyone to just keep on keep on delving into the word, even if it's a passage that you've read a million times, even if it's a passage you're reading for the first time, and God will definitely use those things to speak into your life. Amen. 